This is a special day for us that we have once a year. We call All Nations Day. And it's when we focus on our mission and uh, what God has called us all to do and be. And um, if you haven't received one of these uh, new books when you came in today, they're available for you. And uh, it lets you know a little bit about uh, what our mission is as a church, some of the things that's happened this year. In spite of everything, the Word of God has been preached in more places and seen by more people from this location than any other year in the history of our church. What a great God. Since the beginning of COVID, over a half a million views of the ministry going forth from this church. A half a million. Amazing. God works in all conditions, adverse environments. He does his best work. Amen. And uh, we want to let you know that your investment into the Go Ministries, which is divided up in three areas, community ministries, which is our hands for healing, all that we do for our community, uh, candle lighters, which is ministry that we support, helps kids that have terminal diseases, uh, pregnancy resources as another ministry that's here local that we help. But all of our community ministries, our church ministries, and then our global ministries. And um, so there's some reports about what we've been able to do this year and then what our goals are for 2021. So we'd ask that you would just uh, take this inside of it as a commitment envelope. And um, if you'll be in prayer over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be receiving uh, our pledges for 2021 in the next few weeks and we just ask that you would be in prayer whatever God puts on your heart but one thing is for sure and that is that we as a church must be reminded of our mission and we are called to be witnesses and that's what I want to talk to you about today if you have your Bibles I turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 1 and we begin in verse 6 I'm so happy uh, that brother and sister Gidrose our very good friends uh, are with us all the way from Texas. We love them dearly. Going to be hearing from them tonight. Appreciate them so much. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And here's why he's going to give them power. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This was the mission that he was calling the disciples to those followers, those 120 that made that journey to the upper room. That started the New Testament church, and it's what we are a part of today, ladies and gentlemen. And we still have the same mission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Jerusalem, Judea, and all of Samaria. God's going to be with us. I want to talk to you for a few moments on this subject today. Mission revival. Mission revival. 
revival. Lord, we're thankful to be in your house today, thankful for the opportunity to worship you, to glorify you, to be in your presence. We ask you now, Lord, as we open up the word of God, we ask you, Lord, that you would help to prepare our hearts and minds so that that word would penetrate and go down into our soul and spirit. Let us be reminded of the mission that you have called us to for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated and thank you for standing. We hear uh, so much about mission. I even discovered um, a new barbecue place in Orlando called Mission Barbecue. We need one in Melbourne, Palm Bay area. Maybe we don't need one in Melbourne, Palm Bay area. But it was some good barbecue. But it was mission barbecue. I think there's some kind of a mission, like when you buy a barbecue meal there, part of it goes to missions. There are certain socks you can buy that are mission socks. Certain shoes you can buy that are mission shoes. There's all of these things that are connected to mission. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that we do have a country that is compassionate, that is focused on missions but we must know what our mission is and our mission is not barbecue sauce as much as I like it and it's not socks and shoes and other things although we do try to do what we can to be able to help as many people in as many places as we can but we must know our mission and our mission is the same as it was more than 2,000 years ago and that is the revival of the world. That every single person can have the opportunity to hear this Jesus name message. That everybody can have the opportunity to have the word of God preached and even printed in their language where they can know, hallelujah, that hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. That God loves them and that God cares about every single human being on this planet, hallelujah. And that God has a salvation message for everyone, hallelujah. That is the mission of our church. In the context of the scriptures that I read to you today, this was a very difficult time for the followers of Christ. It had only been a little more than 40 days. They had to deal with the disappointment of the crucifixion of Christ. Can you imagine their discouragement, their, their disappointment? They saw their master taken, beaten, and shamed, and tortured, and crucified. They knew, they knew it was an injustice. They knew it was a false charge. They knew he was innocent. And yet, as he hung on that cross, all of their hopes and dreams had been crushed. But shortly after that, he resurrected. And they began to rejoice again. And their spirits started to soar again. And they began to hope again. And they began to believe. And, and just as they were starting to get their momentum back, he leads them to a hill on the outskirts of town and prepares them for his departure, his ascension up into heaven. They were once again fearful and uncertain. And they, they asked if this was the time that he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. They were still hoping and looking for a political solution to a spiritual problem. Some things have not changed in over 2,000 years. But Jesus wanted them to look up and to look out. And I believe it's the same thing the Lord is asking the church to do today in 2020. 
Look up, your redemption draweth nigh. Look out, for the fields are white unto harvest. He said, I'm going to give you power, and it's going to be for the purpose to be a witness to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, our mission is to reach the world. Our mission is to reach the world. It has not changed in more than 2,000 years, and it's more needed now than it's ever been needed before. Our mission is revival. Our mission is to reach the world. Our mission is to be a witness. God has blessed us, and he has equipped us to reach the world. And I'm so glad that you're a part of this church because the wonderful thing about being a part of a church that's missions-minded is that it's not just individual efforts because you can feel overwhelmed if you just try to tackle this assignment by yourself. But when they saw the disciples, the Bible says they took notice of them that they had turned the world upside down. How did these men and women turn the world upside down? They were not educated. They were not wealthy. They were not politically connected. But you know what they had? They had a mission. I said they had a mission. And their mission was to tell everybody they knew about Jesus. Hallelujah. I think it's time for us to be reminded that we have the same mission. It's to tell everybody Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus is coming again. Come on, church, it's time to look up, and it's time to look out, and it's time to be reminded, as the disciples had to be reminded, what their mission was. The disciples walked a Sabbath day's journey back to the place where they had dined with the Lord as he had prepared them for his crucifixion, a place that would come to be known as the upper room. I'm sure they walked slow as they processed all of their feelings and opinions and emotions. They even stood there after Jesus had disappeared for quite some time, just gazing up into the sky. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, in two men in white apparel, angels appearing as men had to come and remind them, go to Jerusalem. It's not over yet. Go to Jerusalem. Ladies and gentlemen, one day the Lord's going to come back. Just as he ascended and went into heaven, he is coming back in like manner. But it's not over yet. And until the Lord comes, there's hope for our friends to be saved. There is hope for our neighbors to be saved. There are still people in third world countries that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord has called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. We've got a mandate from scripture. It's to take the gospel to the whole world. And by ourselves, we may not be able to do it, but together collectively, even as a local church, we are able to support over 80 missionaries, build Bible schools, orphanages, medical clinics. In an organization, Brother and Sister Gidrose can attest to this, in an organization of over 5,000 churches, the United Pentecostal Church International in North America, this church was in the top 10 in missions given out of 5,000 churches. In the midst of COVID, you know what that means? That means that together we are reaching 
190 nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, don't let the enemy convince you that you're insignificant, that you don't matter. Oh, no. You better remind the enemy, hallelujah, that one can put to flight a 1,000, but two can put to flight 10,000. Come on. When you're a part of the body of Christ and you have got a unified effort, there's nothing that's impossible. In ladies' ministries, this church was number 17 out of five thousand churches. That's not counting all of the other ministries and projects that we were a part of. And it's all because this church has bought into a vision that it's more than just my family. It's more than just my four or my five. We've even gone beyond. It's more than just about this church. But ladies and gentlemen, when you get connected to the mission, to what God is wanting to do in this end time, I'm here to tell you the sky is the limit. You can't be a blessing to the kingdom of God and God not be a blessing to you individually, in your family, and in your home. And this New Testament church, as they processed all of this transition, they finally made their way slow, I'm sure, walking, perhaps discouraged, despondent, making their way to Jerusalem. They arrived. They did not receive that power immediately. Rather, they conducted a business meeting and had an election to replace Judas. We've got one that went rogue. We've got to replace him. We need to have an election. The outpouring of the Spirit of God did not fall until chapter 2. But in chapter 1, they had an election. The power and the promise that they were seeking, it was not immediate, but yet it was right on time. Sometimes the Lord has to just wait on us. We're singing, I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. A lot of times it's the Lord singing, I got to wait on the church. I got to wait on the church. Lift up your head. We got a world to win. I'm waiting on your east wind. I'm waiting on your east wind. We got a world to win. Come on, the Lord is waiting on us, but he's got the promise and he's got the power and the word of God that will change the world. That's why you and I got to look up and lift up our eyes. Our redemption draweth nigh. Look under the fields that are wide in the harvest. It'll be right on time. And God is positioning us as a body of believers for a very unique time. And the power of God does not ebb and flow based on positive or negative circumstances. It's always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I said he's a mighty God. The book of Acts says that when they first arrived in the upper room, before they had an election and voted, the Bible says, and I've never seen it quite like this before. I knew they were in one accord when the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was full of come, they're all in one mind and one accord. I knew that. But when I got to reading in Acts chapter 1, before they had an election, the Bible said they were all in one accord. And they continued in prayer and supplication. That's what the church does. 
we continue in prayer and supplication and unity. Before an election, during an election, after an election. We are the body of Christ. We are the believers that have been baptized in his name, washed in his blood, sanctified by his spirit. And we're gonna continue in prayer. And we're gonna continue in making our petitions known unto God. And we continue in the unity of the body of Christ. The election that the church had in Acts chapter one came down to two men, Justice and Matthias. Matthias won, but I am sure, because I know human nature, that there were some in a room of 120 people that were for justice, but it did not stop them from receiving power that would come in just a few days. Maybe a couple of them thought, I don't know, I know Matthias, I just don't think Matthias should be the one to take Judas's spot, and I don't know if I trust Matthias, and, and, and I, I, I think justice would have been a better guy, but they had to get over it because the Holy Ghost was coming. Hallelujah. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. You gotta understand what you're a part of. You're a part of the greatest thing that's ever been on the planet Earth. It's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said, the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain. Power. Wonder-working power. Oh, he was going to come in just a few days. They had to pray for a little bit before they get unified again. They tarried and they waited. Now, you got to follow this. Jesus had told them on the Mount of Olives to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of the Father. He said, it's going to come, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. He did not tell him to go to Jerusalem and have an election. Now you show me where he told him to do that in the book of Acts or anywhere in the Bible and I'll give you $10,000. They did that on their own. And even when they asked him in the text that I read to you, is this the time that you're going to restore our country and bring us out from under the the rule of this Roman empire? Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? He answered them pretty abruptly. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. It was obvious that he was trying to point them to a spiritual kingdom. We've got to realize that God is trying to point us to a spiritual kingdom. And then we never hear anymore about this Matthias. I mean, the Lord let them do their little casting lots things and all that. But they said, Matthias, you're now apostles taking the place of you. And we never hear another thing about him. It's obvious that God chose Paul. Paul let them do their little shenanigan, but then, or the Lord let them have their little election, but then the Lord says, I think I can use that guy. Everybody looked at him and said, he's persecuting the church. And the Lord said, ooh, but he got a lot of energy and passion. If I can get him looking right, acting right, believing right, get an attitude adjustment, 
He's going to be better for the kingdom of God than he ever was against the kingdom of God. God can turn around what the enemy meant for evil. God can turn it all around and use it for the purpose of glorifying him. So Lord, let him go through those motions. Paul said, I was the one chosen on a, on a due season. I don't even know. But God in his power, oh, my friend, God had something greater for him. A lot of them couldn't even believe it. They didn't even accept Paul for a long time. We remember what he did. We remember him holding the coat of those people that stoned Stephen. Oh, God can redeem. Don't ever underestimate the mercy and the grace of God. To redeem. Acts chapter 2 says they had to receive this amazing promise that he had told them about. And the Bible says that when they received the Holy Ghost, they received it with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And it was for the purpose of giving them power or giving them ability to be a witness. Now, there's something that I felt like the Lord put on my heart in the earlier service that I want to share with you because I feel like it's something that maybe is an insight. I've always believed, always preached, and I'm sure you've always heard that when you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, it's because speaking in tongues is the evidence, the, to, the tongue being the most unruly member of the body. And so our will is submitted to his will. Whenever he takes our tongue and we speak words and phrases we don't understand, perhaps it's other languages, perhaps it's not, but we don't know because we don't know that language. However, I have been in other countries and heard people speak in tongues and speak perfect English though they did not know a word of English. So who knows when you get the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? You may be speaking Chinese or German or who knows what. But you know what dawned on me? Is it possible that the Lord also allowed speaking in tongues, other languages, to be a part of the evidence of his promise to remind us of our mission? That I'm giving you the Holy Ghost, not for just you to be saved, not for you to just escape hell, but for you to be a witness to all the world. So the evidence of my spirit being in you is you're going to speak words and phrases that you don't understand as a reminder that this gospel is greater than just you. It's greater than just this nation. It's greater than just the English language. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that is intended for all of the world. And immediately, though the children of, of, uh, though the children of, of uh, God's promise to them through the New Testament, those followers of Christ, which I do believe were the new covenant children of Israel, that those individuals, though they were fearful and uncertain and despondent, they radically changed. They changed to being fearless. I mean, here's Peter who's denying the Lord as they're taking him through the trial at Caiaphas' house, getting ready for the crucifixion. And now here he is, under the boldness of the Holy Ghost, standing up with the others and saying, this Jesus whom you crucified and hung on a tree is your Messiah. You missed it. You talk about boldness. You talk about a change. All of a sudden now they've got this anointing on them. And immediately in Acts 3 and Acts 4, we begin to see these miracles take place. And when these miracles begin to take place, they are undeniable. A lame man is healed at the gate. 
All those religious folks going to church every time. Past the layman. And now Peter looking at him saying, silver and gold have I none but such as I have given by thee in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm down there rising more. He rises up and walk and run and leap and jumps and runs through the, and you'd think they'd all come around and celebrated Peter and John and asked them to preach the next time they had a synagogue service and taken up an offering for him and, and blessed their missionary crusade. No! Instead, they arrested him. Beat him. Threatened him. When they begin to question Peter and John about this miracle, you know what Peter and John begin to do? They begin to give God praise. And when they begin to give God praise, they reestablish their mission. They simply said this, you guys figure it all out, but here's what we know. We must speak the things that we have seen and heard. We have a mission. Our mission is to be a witness. Now, how can you know that that's what your mission is? Because that's what God gives you power to do. When God gives you power, he is equipping you for the mission. That's the awesome thing about being a witness for the Lord. You can't do it in your own strength or your own ability or your own intellect. But God equips you, hallelujah, with the power to be a witness. Our job is to be a witness to as many people in as many places as possible. That started in the New Testament church. That started the end time revival. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what we are still a part of today. And the Bible says that this Sanhedrin, this council, they, they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. They said these people have been with Jesus. They got the same thing that Jesus had on them. Even to unbelievers, there was evidence of their close proximity to Jesus. We thought we got rid of it when we crucified Jesus. <laughs> but these guys have got Jesus on them. They've been with Jesus. Oh, my friend, what do people say when they see us? Do they take knowledge that we have been with Jesus? Is there something that splashes over on us that when we go out in the world, we're not like everybody else because we have been in the presence of God, because the Spirit of God is on board, because we are reminded once again that we have a mission and a purpose for our existence. We're not just here marking days on a calendar. We're not just here sucking air. We are here by divine appointment from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and it is to be a witness. What was it that fueled this supernatural outpouring? Whatever it was, I submit to you today that it's still the same thing. The same thing that fueled that end time revival is the same thing that will fuel this latter day revival that we're a part of. The Bible says that when they beat Peter and John for praying for a lame man that was healed, that Peter and John rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now you think about that. They rejoiced in the midst of suffering. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So in looking for this formula that will fuel this end time revival, I was drawn to the word praise because it's what the disciples did. Even in an adverse environment, they worshiped God. And so as I started to dissect that word, I found a secret code. 
And I share it with you now should you choose to accept this mission. The only thing that's different from this and Mission Impossible is that this message will not self-destruct. <laughs> should you choose to accept it, it will not self-destruct. And there is one other thing that's different. This is not Mission Impossible. This is mission probable. God's going to have a church with or without me. God's going to have a church with or without you. You can get mad and say, I don't think I'm going to come to church no more. God's still going to have a church with or without you. When said, I just take my Bible and go home. You can't do what you want to do. God's got a church. That's in the grave. That's why the Bible said the dead in Christ shall rise first. God's going to have a praise on this earth. God's going to have a people on this earth. And they're going to be a people that are going to worship him. Mm. All right, let's go. I got five minutes to get through this. One, two, three, four, five, six. That means I got less than a minute. Here's P, passionate. When the community leaders, Sanhedrin, took knowledge that they had been with Jesus, they were acknowledging the passion that the apostles had. You cannot have revival and not have passion. I, I'm honestly getting just about fed up with this generation that just wants to live life with things on their head and earplugs and just walking around through life like a zombie. Come on, man. You need to take that thing off your head and get a praise in your mouth. God didn't create you to be dead men walking. He didn't make you to be some spiritual zombie. He gave you passion. He gave you a fire. Passion comes from having a clear understanding of your purpose. You'll only have passion when you are clear that your purpose is bigger than yourself. I'm going to say that again because this narcissistic generation needs to hear it. You're not going to have passion until you understand that your purpose is bigger than yourself. It's not just about what I think. It's not about just what I want. It's about the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is greater than my own personal desires. Peter and John made it very clear from the very beginning that they were on a mission. They have purpose. And many times you and I have to remember and we have to remind ourselves that we have a purpose. We have to remind ourselves what the purpose of the mission is. One of the things I love about America, I love a lot of things about America. One of the things I love about America is the passion of its people. I'm glad we live in a land of passionate people. I know it gets messy sometimes, but I'd much rather do that than to live in a land of a bunch of robots. We are a passionate people. We have strong feelings. We started out that way. Our foundation was forged in the halls of fiery speeches. That's why I don't like when they try to quieten down all these apostolic Pentecostal churches now and say, I don't know why you got to stomp, snort, and snout, and shout, and carry on. You ought to just talk, you know, like we're all in some big lecture hall in a library somewhere, and we all got pointy heads and, and big, you know, egos and, and big long degrees behind our name, and, and we're all supposed to be common. No, 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 no. That's not how it started out. It started out with Patrick Henry saying, give me liberty or give me death. It started out with the apostles standing up and declaring the word of God. And there's no reason now for us to lose our fire. We were born in the fire. 
and it's gonna end in the fire. We're not gonna stop now. We're gonna, not gonna just be marching to a silent death keeping our mouth closed. No, we're going to open our mouths. We're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they illegally arrested Paul and Silas in the book of Acts, and then they beat them, made a public shame of them, and then put them in prison, and then Paul said, uh, excuse me, did you know I was a Roman citizen? We didn't know that. We can't beat you without a trial. We're so sorry. If you just slip away in the night, and they're like, no, 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 no. You made a public spectacle out of us. You're going to release us in a public spectacle. We're going to build a church in this town, and we're not going to let you to cover your mistake slip out into the night. No, you call a whole city together, and we want you to exonerate us and to release us in front of everybody. <laughs> oh, that's why God chose Paul. I don't know Matthias, but I just can't picture him doing it. I was reading, you know, th this may or may not be true. I don't know, but I was reading it, and he goes back to the Greek and all that, and there's commentaries that say this. That some, some of the, uh, the post-apostolic fathers believed that Matthias was Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus? It made sense. He was a politician. He was a tax collector. I've never known a politician that wasn't a tax collector. Getting everybody nervous right now. Well, you can feel the room tighten. I love it. The tighter it gets, the better I like it. But some of them think that Zacchaeus was Matthias. Now think about that if that's true. Now Zacchaeus got saved and all that. And Zacchaeus, you know, he come in and he, he, but before that he was a publican and he was always having to deal with the city leaders and all that. And he must have been a polished guy and understood all the, how to run the ranks of being a successful politician. And then he got time for them to, to, to draw straw. Maybe he was working everybody as they were walking from Mount Olivet down there. You know, he, he was working on them. Maybe, I don't know. I don't even know if that's him or not. But Zacchaeus hid in a tree. The Lord's like, mm -mm, we can't have no tree hiders. Not if this gospel is going to go around the world. I got to have some people like Paul that will say, uh-uh, wait just a second. You don't know who I am. I'm a citizen of another country. You don't have no right to beat me and shame me, put me down in some... No, 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 no. You are in trouble. I'm fixing to call up on my cell phone. The Roman government, they're going to be down here with this centurion. You're going to lose your... I don't know what all he did, but when it was all said and done, they were standing out there in front of the whole city of Philippi. We have to... We're releasing Paul's And in front of everybody. You know where that comes from? That comes from people that got a passion. That says, I'm a child of God. The devil's not going to treat me like that. The devil's not going to come in here and rob my home, rob my family, and rob. No, I am a child of God. I am an overcomer. And I'm going to stand up to the enemy and say, not on my watch. Come on, church. We got to get some backbone. Get some passion. Mm. Ooh, I wish I had longer to preach. And, and Paul, not only was he pas passionate, but he was relentless. That's the R. Sometimes you've got to just be relentless. I, I told the church, and I know I'm running out of time, but I told the church in the earlier service about hunting with these dogs that 
believe in their minds that they can kill a bear. Little dogs, like 30-pound dogs. Because as they were little bitty pups, they gave them bear meat. And they got a taste of bear. And decided that they could take on a 400-pound bear. Because they had a taste of victory. Good God Almighty. So we drive through the woods and get the lead dogs up on top of the truck. And, and they just got their super sniffers working. Just driving around. And boy, all of a sudden they pick up a smell. We stop the truck. Them dogs jump on the ground. And their nose is like Hoover Wrecking Clear. There's only about three of them that are the lead dogs. The rest of them are all in boxes inside. They're excited too because they know something's up. And all of a sudden, them lead dogs, they pick up a trail. They pick up a scent. There they go. Blue ticks, red ticks, black and tans, walkers. It don't matter. They're all little like that. But boy, they have got a tenacity. And then we open the back of them other boxes, and here comes all the others. And they're off and running. And we got, they, got, they got GPS trackers, and we follow them. There they go. And then when they miss, if they lose the track, it gets cold. They come back to where it was, where it was strong before. And they're, then they go this way with it. Then they pick it up again. Oh, now we found a fresh track. Sometimes spiritually it's like that. You can run off something, all of a sudden you run down a cold track. I'm going to tell you how you get back on the right scent. You've got to get back to where you first found it. You say, I just don't feel, I don't feel God like you just got to get back to an altar where you first came to God. You got to get back and renew your first love and say, wait a second, that's where I first started knowing that God was on my side. You're not going to get encouraged by just listening to all the garbage out there. You got to get back and pick up the scent again. And once you get back to picking up the scent, you'll get a praise in your mouth again. You have gone silent because you have lost the trail. You have gone silent in your praise and in your witness because you have lost the scent. You gotta get back to an altar. You gotta get back to a place of repentance and you'll get your joy back and you'll get your faith back. And then, and the closer they get, the stronger it gets. And then finally, Brother Gidrose, when they got that bear treed, we're looking at it. We can hear them. 60 yelps a minute. They're all around the bottom of the tree yelping. And we finally, we drove over there. Boy, I saw, I saw that bear up in the tree. And I saw all them little old skinny dogs around the bottom. And them skinny dogs, I'm telling you, as God is my witness, Jackson Jenkins was right there with me. Jackson, you were there, weren't you? Come up here and stand with me just so they don't think I'm lying. <laughs> Jackson, am I telling the truth? Those dogs were biting the tree. <laughs> Weren't they? Were they biting the tree? They were trying to climb the tree. <laughs> that bear's up there going. And we seen two or three of them, didn't we? They took, one of them got like part of a limb. Ah, ah. You are a 30-pound dog. 
That is a big bear. But the dogs don't have to kill the bear. They got a master with a gun. All they got to do is tree the bear. You don't have to kill the enemy. You got a savior that's already defeated the enemy. You just got to worship. You got to be relentless. You got to just give the devil a black eye and say, I'm going to church anyhow. I got another praise in my mouth. I'm going to bless the Lord in it. He's been too good to me. Relentless. That bear that Jackson I treed, that bear was too small. Jackson has a gun. He's getting ready to take him out. And the guide said, nope, he's too little. So we had to pull all them dogs back. Them dogs, they act like they're pit bulls or something. They're little hound dogs. But they've had a taste of bear in their mouth. I'm going to tell you what, once you get a taste of victory, mm, there ain't nothing that can stop you. Woo, he's been too good to me. I know what it is like for the Lord to heal me. I know what it's like for the Lord to deliver me. I know what it's like to feel peace in the midst of the storm. I've had the taste of victory in my mouth. That's why they couldn't stop David. He'd already had the taste of victory. He'd already had a bear. And that big old uncircumcised Philistine called Goliath was nothing more than another victory. We tied all those dogs back and let that bear go because he was too little. And them dogs, oh, they couldn't hardly stop. Two of them we tied off. And they were tied to each other, little short chains like that. And they're, they're still carrying on. Finally, when the bear saw them, them dogs were tied back. He, he dropped to the ground and took off running. I've never seen a bear can run fast. I'm glad it was going that way and not this way. Because I'd have shot him. I don't care how little he was. He coming at me. He going down. But he took off in the other direction. He was just scooting. His little old black rear end was, just, wow, was getting after it. He must have been running 30 miles an hour. And two of them dogs that we had just chained up broke free. And I thought, oh, my goodness. They're tied to each other. They're going to run into a tree and choke themselves. And those two dogs, even though they were chained up, they had broke free. And the bear had hit the ground, and it was game on. And them two dogs, rah, 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 and they took off. And before that bear could get to another tree, they were nipping on his rear end. And that bear didn't run 500 yards and run straight up another tree again. And them two dogs down there, rah, rah. you know what I was thinking? The Bible said one can put to flight 1,000, and two can put to flight 10,000. I like preaching with this thing. I think I'm going to do this every service. Keep this thing up here. Wake up people too with it. Two can put to flight 10,000. You say, oh, but the devil, he's done this, he's done that. He's just a big old bear. But guess what? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Come on, you just got to pursue. You got to be relentless. I know I've had a bad day, bad week, bad month, bad year, but I'm still here and I'm still worshiping and I still got a witness. 
Good God Almighty. All right, stand up. I want to give you some hope that I'm done. A, anointing. That New Testament church was anointed. I don't care how much charisma, intellect. This end time revival is going to be based on anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. That New Testament church had all kinds of problems. I mean, here they are arresting Peter and John as soon as the Holy Ghost is poured out. Chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lie and get struck down dead in the church. And the ushers got to haul out their dead bodies. Brother Derek, I can just imagine them ushers going, well, I don't know. I didn't sign up to be toting out dead bodies out of the church. <laughs> Act 6, the widows are complaining because they can't talk to the pastor as much as they used to because the church has grown. So they have to do some delegating. And in Acts 7, one of their good young preachers is martyred. Stephen. For just preaching. But guess what this New Testament church did? They stayed committed to their mission. And in Acts 10, they go under the direction of the Holy Ghost. Peter goes to Caesarea. And he does a special home service for a Roman centurion and all of his house. Is it possible that a Roman centurion can be saved? Oh yeah. God can save anybody. Anybody. And in the midst of all of this trouble, the New Testament church gets stronger, expanding their reach as they stay committed to their mission. Our mission is revival. I say to this great church, our mission is revival. Our mission is revival. And it's going to be that until Jesus comes back again. And that's why his favor is on this church. And that's why his anointing is on this church. I is involvement. Everybody's got to get involved. In Acts 12, when Peter was in prison, the Bible says prayer was made of the church without ceasing. This is not just for a few people. This is not just for the spiritual folks, the 20% of a church. No, no. This is for whosoever will. I used to have a dream that we would have at least 500 people in East Wind that were committed to global missions. We were going to call them the dream team, and we did. But we have far surpassed that. And so as I was preparing for our vision for 2021, I felt the Lord just put this in my heart. And I'm going to tell you what my goal is for this year. You've got those books. They've got commitment cards in them. I'm going to ask you to pray over them for the next few weeks. But I'm going to tell you what my goal is. My goal is that we have 100% involvement from this church. That God's people say, I can witness, I can worship, I can work for him. And how do we do that? We do it by giving. We do it by praying. And we do it by going. Everybody involved. The New Testament church changed the then known world because everybody was involved. And then S is sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't get anywhere unless there's sacrifice. The fire doesn't fall 
unless there's a sacrifice that's on the altar. But if you sacrifice, in that New Testament church, did they sacrifice with their lives? Most of those disciples ended up being martyred because of their faith in God. And if you and I will say, Lord, it doesn't matter what it costs. This mission is bigger than me. I'll put it on the altar. Whatever you put on the altar, God will send the fire of his anointing and consume it. I said he'll consume it. And then finally, E is expectation. Peter and John prayed for that lame man in Acts 3. They expected for him to get up. They didn't hope that he would. There's got to be a sense of faith and expectation that says, God, whatever it takes, you can use anyone, you can use me. But I'm believing you're going to save my family. I'm believing you're going to deliver us. Hallelujah. I believe you're coming back soon. Let me tell you what, folks. The anointing of God is not just on the ministry. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you are anointed of God. And you better expect, you can pray for people in Walmart. Come on, you can witness to somebody in their home, in your home, in a, in a Starbucks coffee shop. Just open your Bible, begin to talk to somebody about the Lord. This world is hungry, and we're on mission. Our mission is that we're going to work for him until he comes. One day he's coming, and it's not going to be very far off, but until he does. Come on, we got to get on mission. Our mission is to take the gospel to the whole world. I said, our mission is to take the gospel to the whole world. Are you committed to that? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. There's some, some things that we're going to have to break through. Here's one of them. We're going to have to get rid of being fearful of going to the altar. So here's what I'm asking you to do. If you're committed to be a part of this mission, I want you to step out of where you're standing. I want you to come down and stand down here in the front. We're not going to spit and slobber and pray on you and make you feel like you're being threatened or anything but I want everybody to come because I want 100% involvement. And by doing this, all you're doing right now is you're just saying with your feet, you're saying, Pastor, you can count on me. I'm going to be a part of the mission. I said, I'm going to be a part of the mission. Come on, this thing's bigger than me. This thing's bigger than you. This thing's bigger than just our church or just our family. We got a beautiful couple. We're going to baptize in Jesus' name in just a moment. But before we do, I want to know right now, do we accept the mission? Are we a part of the mission? If you don't feel like you can be a part of the mission, we understand. I want you to do anything you're not comfortable doing. But if you say, Pastor, you can count on me. I'm going to be a part of the mission. I'm going to go ahead and spend the next couple of weeks praying and asking God, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be involved? Passionate, relentless, anointed, involved, sacrificing, and a spirit of expectation. If you're willing to be a part of that vision, of that mission, would you raise your hand now all over the front of this building? What a beautiful congregation. That's it. Just raise your hand right now. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm committed to the mission. I'm committed to the vision of East Wind Pentecostal. You called us to be witnesses. You have called us to be witnesses. And we know it's not going to be long. And you're coming back for a church. But I'm asking you, Lord, right now to change my vision. Cause us to look up and to look out. Come on, we've been looking in long enough. We got to look up. We got to lift up our heads. Our redemption draws nigh. The power and the presence of God is drawing. 
calling us to a place come on there's going to be a praise in my mouth so good to us you're the common denominator that brings us all together you've made us one body one people under one name we are privileged to stand in your presence we thank you for your spirit we commit ourselves Lord to witness to everybody we know to tell everybody there is a promise the promise of the Father is that everyone every single person from every planet on this globe every person could be filled with your spirit we ask you Lord as we move now into this end time revival this latter day revival that you are calling us to that Lord we would once again renew our commitment and our mission to say God we want to be a part of what you're doing in these last days and one day we're going to be caught up together and so shall we ever be with the Lord in the name of Jesus, hallelujah.
by the power of the anointing of your spirit. God bless you in Jesus' name. You're